There's Mr. Alvin Lee opening us up for our little daily get-together here. I noticed Mr. Just Chris and number 11's with us already. Popped up right as the show came on. So uh, let's get the requirements out of the way. Roger Sales, Radio Ranch, People's Patriot Network, the venue, and uh, the platform, I should say. And it's the 15th of 2020, July 15th, 7-15, 21 day. Mr. Chris, short of my Patriot birthday, uh, and here we go. Um, 22 more hours under the bridge. bit has happened. A couple of things I wanted to open up with. Chris, I'm glad you're here from the start because one of them has to do with you. Um, first of all, big, uh, really big geopolitical development in the last 24 hours or so, uh, and it really, it, one of the things that I've gotten out of this, for I didn't know what geopolitical meant before I got into this stuff, really. And uh, I've gotten very interested in it over the years, mainly because of that book we talked about one time on the air, a couple of times actually, called The Empire of the City by an author named Knuth, K-N-U-T-H, a, a book I really would highly advise anybody to read, especially if you want to get your arms around this geopolitical thing, which is the end game, okay? I think Zygmunt Brzezinski, one of Mr. Rockefeller's, Kissinger was his right hand and Zig was his left, and he wrote a book called The Grand Chessboard some years ago. You may re recall seeing that or know about that. Well, it was his uh, geopolitical book, and... Uh, very interesting. So that's one thing. The other, Chris, I'll uh, um, mention is about Oklahoma, uh, a state you've got ties to. And I just watched a short video this morning. It's a second video I've seen by this guy, and it's a guy out of Canada. And I think he's Viva, V-I-V-A-F-R-E-I is his channel. And he's a non-lawyer type, but he interviews this guy, and I don't know what his name is. His his organ his last name's Barnes because it's Barnes Law, and he's just dropped in the one I saw this morning that he's originally from Chattanooga. Um, and he was doing. Uh, I, I saw him one popped up, and I saw it a few days ago, and I was so impressed with the guy that I sent it out to Brent and a few people to look at. And then so you know how how YouTube is, they keep feeding you that stuff which you've watched and so there was one there this morning on this Oklahoma ruling in the Supreme Court last week which we hadn't even really breached at all there was so much going on that three rulings three or four rulings came out that day and Trump's tax returns and all that stuff uh, stole the limelight but this Oklahoma one I never got a chance to look at really any in-depth until listening to this video this morning Do you, are you aware of the situation there Chris have you followed that at all? Well, there are several different things going on. I'm familiar with the Viva Fria, and uh, I think that's Bob Barnes' law. I can't remember sure it's his first he's name. A, he has he, quite a bit of info wars. He's a sharp cookie. He is. I have considered trying to contact him, although I'm not convinced any attorney can help me because of being on the hit list for the attorneys. 
but uh, he is a very savvy lawyer. Okay. Now, the other question, have you followed this Oklahoma ruling at all? Well, I'd have to know which one. I happen to know that Oklahoma is being turned very dark blue or purple because of the infiltration and infestation of these left-wing Marxist terrorists taking over the state. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, It was a very interesting case. Um, and the headline showed like last week when I saw, you know, you see the little picture beside a story and it had a picture of the state of Oklahoma and half of it was colored, you know, uh, a different color. It wasn't blue or it was like yellow. And it said this is Indian territory and it comes out of this ruling. And what was interesting is there's a lot of people going off half cock that don't understand what the hell they're talking about as usual, evidently, because this guy gave a very scholarly background to it. And he had actually had an Indian professor in law school and was real familiar with a lot of the history and uh, had had served as a counsel for one of the tribes. He went to the University of Wisconsin, believe it or not. I can't believe they'd turn out somebody in his mindset from Madison, but they did. And uh, he even said that his teacher that was American Indian was very, uh, didn't share his politics, but uh, uh, related a story or two about it, but that's not important to what we're talking about here. Um, What, but this is important because it goes back to treaties. And he went into some discourse about how uh, rotten we've treated the Indians, which is true, and how we've pretty much uh, uh, shredded most of the treaties from our side that we signed with them, which historically is true. Okay? And they got a legitimate grievance. All right? And uh, so what this the case arose from a, God, it just about makes you, shiver i'm i'm telling you and it was the eastern part of oklahoma which has always been somewhat contested versus the state of oklahoma which really doesn't have any jurisdiction there because of the previous treaties trying to encroach its jurisdiction on the indians and the tribes and the crimes and especially the taxation aspect of that part of the state okay And so the case arose with an Indian somewhere in eastern Oklahoma that raped a four-year-old girl. And evidently the state of Oklahoma thought that the case was so egregious that they might could push their claim to get state jurisdiction over that Indian land from the treaty. And so the state tried to push this up under their auspices, and basically the Supreme Court now is a five to four decision. Okay, so four of them sided with the state of Oklahoma, but the Gorsuch wrote the uh, the turn opinion on it, evidently. And what it has fallen out of it is that the state of Oklahoma has no jurisdiction in eastern Oklahoma, and they're going to have to go back in any trials or decisions or people that are in jail that are Indian in the eastern part of the state that were prosecuted and tried by the state are going to get new trials either under federal or tribal law. Curiously, Roger, that is basically the contention that I have in the case that I will be bringing against the state of Oklahoma, the county of uh, Oklahoma and the city of Oklahoma, for claim jumping and stealing my property that is pre-exists 
the state of Oklahoma is under absolute exclusive federally protected jurisdiction explicitly and not within the corporate state it lies coterminately geographically within. Well, there's some geographical boundaries there, Chris, and I don't know exactly what they are, but from the pictures I looked at, it looked like it pretty well ran down the middle of the state. I do know that Tulsa's in the new Indian Territory. Don't know. They didn't mention Oklahoma City, so I'm assuming it isn't. But anyway, you ought to look into that. It's probably got some, maybe some bearing and repercussions on what you're doing out there. If you um, have any info, like case numbers or lawyer don't names, have, I nope, could be. Nope, don't have any of that. Sorry. You'll have to go I'll look at the Viva Fria and see what I can find. Well, uh, there's, there was stories on Zero Hedge about it last week, uh, you know, so it's out there. Uh, but anyway, this, uh, this analysis by him on the issue was, as, as the two videos I've seen him do, uh, both of them, he did a superb job of framing the issue, going into the legal background, what the underlying principle is, etc. I'd like to get to him and put my stuff in front of him. <laughs> well, you know, Viva Fria, um, I know that he may not be an attorney, but he's very studied in law and very savvy, and he knows the right questions to ask and uh, plays nicely with attorneys. That's kind of the similar way that I picture myself somewhat, maybe although I may not give him as uh, clear a pass uh, for their let's call it a lack of knowledge about the actual law of the land. Um, let's see. Here's another little tidbit. Do you like going to Walmart? It's becoming even more challenging recently with the mask hysteria. Well, it's about to become even more challenging starting this weekend on the 20th of July, my birthday. They're going to require all customers to wear masks, period. So if you didn't like going to Walmart, but you had to, and you're looking for an excuse not to, you got one now. Um, some Another 11. We got a double 11 day today. Um, the other thing, and we can bring up, of course, this Oklahoma issue, if anybody's got any insight into it, but I thought it's particularly interesting to go back and reinforce the, the treaties. And uh, even even Mr. Conservative Barnes said uh, if there's any repercussions talk anywhere, it ought to be directed at the Indians. And I think he's probably right. Um, the other thing that happened that I alluded to earlier that's worth discussing is this geopolitical thing that's developed in the last 24 hours. You got any any guess what that is, Chris? Well, let's see. It could be political. It could be China. It could be Iraq. Uh, who knows where on the planet? Hey, you're, a myriad of possibilities. You're hitting pretty close. Eleven, eleven. Either one of y'all got a guess? The elevens are silent. I don't know if that's ominous or not. <laughs> uh, this is a repercussion, and it all comes back to that little bastard state over there, Satan Sandbox. And all the crap that's been going on because the Arabs would like to get some retribution for all the crap they've given them over the last 30 or 40 or 50 years. And so, of course, they centered on, they've compromised the, and I get them confused, they comp, they've compromised the Shias. The Shias are Iraq and, and, and Saudi Arabia and all the, all that, and the Shiites are the Iranians. Is that right? I get them confused. 
They're called the Bullshiite. Bullshiite. Okay. Is that Harvey? Well, Sunnis and Shiites and Bullshiites. Right. Is that Harvey masquerading under an 11? No. This is somebody you haven't talked to in about 10 years. Who's that? Well, you were down in you were down in Atlanta. This is Mike in South Carolina. Hey, Mike, the one that introduced you to temporary and smooth jazz on jazzradio.com. Oh, hey, man. Well, I'm really glad hey, you're back with welcome us. Forward. Hey, welcome back, man. I'm glad hey, you okay. found us. We've been missing you. Yep. You well, we've been kind of in and out and busy on other programs and projects and missions, and uh, just keep a low profile. Keep okay. things stirred up a little bit. Well, I understand that. Glad to have you back on board. Uh, regardless of whichever one of those two factions it was, um, China, well, they've been messing with Iran for a long time since the Shah. That, when I really started getting into interesting, interested in politics was that takeover of the Iranian embassy, you know, what, 40 years ago? And, and I was right at the tail end of the music business in my career, and, and I started listening to talk radio in that time to keep up with that incident. You may, some of you may remember, if you're long enough in the tooth, that that particular incident spawned a television program that became a, a mainstay for many years to, uh, at Nightline with Ted Koppel. Remember that? The late night news deal that started with that Iranian situation. Iran's been a thorn in the side. They've compromised the Saudis because they're the they've both got co-religious roots back through the Donme in Turkey. But these Iranians, these Persians, refuse, and they're the ones that are sponsoring Hezbollah and all the crap that we've been given. Uh, they've been given to Satan sandbox bunch over there. And so they've been aggravating them, as we know, you know, sneaking Stutznet uh, software into their nuclear thing, and they're always playing dirty tricks. They've had several mysterious explosions in Iran just in the last couple of weeks at some of their facilities. And this morning there's seven ships on fire at one of their main ports in the province where the nuclear facilities are. Located Well, I think we can probably all ascertain where that's coming from, straight out of Tel Aviv or Haifa or wherever. And uh, all of that, all the sanctions, all the other crap has driven Iran into China's arms. And they've signed a $400 billion, 25-year deal. And for oil, of course, we know how China does business. They're like the worst Wall Street Jew loan sharks that have ever come down the block. And now they got their clutches on Iran for their oil supply and also their strategic port down on the Arabian Sea where a lot of this oil traffic comes through that whole area. And they had a previous deal with India, and they threw India in the ditch and wrapped their arms around China to the tune of 25 years and $400 billion. And this is more evidence of the way that we drive people to China, all because of why. The one issue that it not mentioned in, in anything I've seen on it so far is Israel. And that's the whole damn reason for it. So that was my geopolitical thing I Amen. wanted to bring out. Uh, and uh, we talked about Oklahoma. Um, anybody else got anything topical? I don't know if Paul's going to join us or do a cameo today. I didn't get a hold of him, and I know he's 
doing all kinds of stuff, so I'm not going to bug him about it and chase him down. If he wants to be with us, we're right here. And if he's uh, allotted his time elsewhere, so be it. Um, so, Mike, did you have anything to say uh, since we've had a drought of you for a few years? You got anything to contribute or any live intelligence from the South Carolina area? Are we going to get – Is are you guys going to vote sugar britches out this time? <laughs> uh, hopefully he will be gone, yes. But uh, he, he's, a, he's two, two-faced backstabbing SOBs is what he is. He's not going to change, and uh, people are realizing that. But – He's going to, I think the, the thing is he's going to get in there again because it's all rigged. They're trying to tell, tell people to get out there and vote, 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 vote. But what they're not doing is telling everybody that whenever these illegals go in to get their free driver's licenses uh, and they vote, they, they register to vote on the registers, um, nobody's venting them for being citizens. You've got to be a citizen to vote, and that's not happening. And I'm holding Trump personally responsible for not going there and cleaning these damn records up are you there? These, uh, these governors these governors are behind all of it they're letting it all happen and i'm, I'm fed up with all this, this corruption is fraud it is uh, and and no doubt the voting rolls have been stacked by these bastards for years there was a story about cody the cat did you see that this week in atlanta no cody the cat got a, a voter uh, a ballot at this house and Cody, the cat's been dead for 12 years. He was getting ballots as a cat and now he's getting ballots as a dead cat. I wanted, I do want to compliment you though. The voters as misguided as they may be and misinformed and miseducated. Uh, it appears to me that your Senator there, Tim Scott's a pretty solid guy in the little that I've seen him. Well, do uh, you remember when, uh, uh, Barack Obama get, get, uh, got this PP, this PP vote uh, to do a very quick uh, PP vote. Uh, it was a it was a shortcut. What it was, he and Lindsey Graham and Trey Gowdy all voted for it, and we found out that Tim Scott. The rumor is that he got something like uh, nineteen thousand six hundred dollars for his vote. Don't know how much the other two got, but uh, there's corruption everywhere. Everybody's being bought off, and that's the problem. So, I, as far as being a, a good boy, no, he's going to be nothing more than Lindsey Graham's well, house, house, um, uh, house mitten Negro. That's all he's ever going to be. Well, let me I ask just, Michael a question. I, I, let me just say before you do, Chris, I've seen him two times on videos, and I was impressed with his stance. Obviously, he's a politician, but I, I, I don't. I don't even have an inkling that Trey Gowdy can be bought off. Oh, that's where I was going. I, I was looking at one this morning before the show started that had Trey Gowdy talking about they were going to indict Adam Shifty. And my concern is they've been ballyhooing and uh, trying to prop up Lindsey Graham as the one that was going to really bring it to Adam Schiff and prosecute him to the fullest extent of the law. No, he's not going to do I it. Haven't, he's a paper tiger. He's nothing he's, but a loud mouth, I mean, and, and he blows with the political winds, like Michael said, and I don't believe it. And, of course, Trouty, uh, Trey Gowdy himself was compromised, and his shakeless faith in the so-called institutions betrays his oath to the bar and to the FBI and the other institutions and believing in these 
criminals masquerading as public servants is a dangerous concept for American interest. Mike, let me ask you. They don't, they don't. No, go ahead. Take oath. Roger, hold on. Yeah, they don't take oath anymore. They take the cold nidra. Here, here. Uh, Mike, let me ask you. Yeah, they you, flip-flop all the time. South Carolina. And, 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 and Gordon Sheldon Eagleson's a little uh, 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 a Jewish puppet. That's all he is. Well, that's what I, exactly where I wanted to go. And I, uh, South Carolina is a very interesting state. I used to call on some of your radio stations up there and uh, enjoyed my time there. Uh, and I've noticed that Sheldon Adelson or somebody, and I don't know if it's because the Scottish Rite was founded in Charleston or or what the influence is, but they certainly seem to control the state. And the other person I would bring up that hadn't been mentioned here besides the aforementioned is one Nikki Haley, who I believe used to be your governor. That's correct. And that is, she's as big a Zionist tool as I've seen out there. And unfortunately, they're already floating her for presidential material, by the way. That's it. She's a, she's a, she's a two-faced uh, loafer. She'll, she'll uh, get behind anybody who's got enough money. <clears throat> so, and anyway, it's sad when to see start- one of our premier southern states get taken over by these bastards. But like I said, don't forget Albert Pike started the Scottish Rite there in Charleston on the 33rd parallel. Well, uh, you also wasn't wasn't the B'nai B'rit. They're the number two uh, oldest uh, Jewish community uh, other than Rhode Island. And that's where that was started on the 33rd uh, parallel. It goes right straight over to where? London, England. Yeah, it was uh, Albert Pike that started the Scottish Rite faction of Freemasonry there. I don't know. Benai Brith was started. The ADL was started after an incident in Atlanta with a Jewish guy named Frank. Do you guys know the background on this story? Yes, being a little girl involved in that. Yes, and that was out by the part of town where I lived in. It was out in Marietta, Smyrna area. And this guy was, uh, she worked at a pencil factory, I believe, and she was a young girl. And it appeared that this guy, Frank, uh, the Jewish head, uh, whoever, one of the head guys of the company, murdered her. I don't remember if there's rape involved or not sexual stuff but i do remember he got convicted of murder and it was that incident that was the cause of the start of the adl yeah i believe yeah i believe that's right yeah that's the right story mm-hmm. so uh yeah, it's all it's all compromised yep. the one tribe uh, we know what the tribe is they they infiltrate they they play both sides and we've had a, a war started by them ever since uh, um the um Oh, we can start with the Civil War, but probably before that. But they play both sides, and they finance both sides. And that's the problem. They've got control of the financing. If you were around here a couple of weeks ago, Mike, but we had a document floating around. It's tagged at the end of one of these CastBox episodes here within the last two weeks. There's a, a document that came out with listed. I'd heard 80, 100, 120. Uh, it was a documented list of 1,030 countries that these bastards have been kicked out of. Correct. One thousand. Get that document from. Uh, you can get it from if you if if, if when contact me after the, this show if you don't mind. Uh, I, do you have my phone number there? I don't. Okay. Well, um, we need to catch up because I have some things to send on to you. But anyway, 
Uh, I talk with Dennis uh, a couple times a week, and uh, he has got the PDF that will give you all that information on over yeah, well, a thousand that, um, instances. He's, he's been... I'm sorry to step on you, Mike. That's what this was, was that PDF document of that consecutive list. And as I said yesterday, there wasn't one time on there that they ever won. Okay. Yeah, but that's the list. So uh, the chances are that they ain't going to win this one either. They're pretty good. I'd go to Vegas with Chris I, and lay my money down on one of them tables out there. Yeah, I'll send my I'll send my dump truck full of uh, money to, for you to take out there and dump it along with it too. Uh, you're probably right. <laughs> they well, they never win because they always show their their excuses and they've tried to circumvent that this time with all this stealthiness of a hundred years and this very gradualism approach and you got to admit when you can tear this thing apart and understand it man it's slick what these guys have done is slick and if you don't believe that just look around the whole damn world's fooled okay here's and, the one rule you want to follow when you want to listen that is when these guys get into a bind when they get into a corner the, one, the first thing they do is they change the rules. That's right. And you know where that is comes from? The Pharisees. It's exactly what the Pharisees did. We're dealing with the modern-day Pharisees. You know, Israel's nothing more than the, the land of the Christ killers. Well. And also, by the way, anti-Semitism is a disease. You catch it from Jews. Yeah, right. That's a sobering line. Um, this development between China and Iran is interesting on multi-fronts because of, of course, what's going on around China. But now, and as I said, obviously laid out of any discussion on it is the country of Israel. And that's the reason in the end for all this. And Israel, of course, as they always do, are double-dealing. They're double dealing with the Chinese, and they're double dealing with us. They had, Pompeo had to fly over there a month or two ago and get in somebody's face over there about them selling the point of Haifa, selling the port of Haifa to the Chinese for their Belt and Road Initiative. Okay, this is going to backfire Another on them. issue you want to be real careful. I mean, they're stealing Not our military. We give them military secrets yeah. and all this secret military stuff that they pry out of us, and they turn around and sell it to the Chinese to, re, to, to re-engineer. That's right. Okay. Well, it's going to come back on we've them. We've got, well, got eight to ten submarines sitting out there. Where are they? I'd like to know where they are. Yeah, well, that's some dangerous t- territory right Germ- now. German submarines, no less. So uh, it's the, interesting. The, the diesel op- yeah, and uh, also um, Angela Merkel, she's nothing more than a Polish oh. Jew. She's part of the globalists. Of course. They're all part of it. Boy, they need to get her out France. of there. I mean, it, and they, well, the problem is that they have infiltrated gatekeeper positions, and that's the problem. Yep. yep. And, they stacked them uh, all, all ahead of time. Off. They hadn't infiltrated. They stacked them all ahead of time. They've been doing it for a long time now. As I said the other day on this book, uh, The Collective Speeches of William T. uh, uh, McFadden, 
that was from 31 to 33. And he made statements in there. It's straight out of the congressional record. And he made statements in there in that time frame almost 90 years ago that they control every important office in Washington. Right. That's right. And if they had it. They're coming out of places, Harvard and Princeton and Yale, and then they get appointed to, to the federal uh, gatekeeper positions. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how all well, stacked like you wouldn't believe? When and I was, we, I think, watching yesterday something on the Gislaine Maxwell and her sisters, and the two sisters and their software company, and one of the sisters has a son, and when he graduated from Harvard, Hillary Clinton gave him a key policy position at the State Department at 21 years old. Look at look at the guy, um, Newsom out there in California. Isn't he um, Nancy Pelosi's um, yeah. what was it, nephew? Something. Something like that. Yeah, it, it's all corrupt. I yep. mean, you Boy. take these people out. Uh, you've got to uh, uh, and, uh, get them arrested, uh, put them in jail for 10 days, give them 10 days' worth of due process, and ask them one last question. Do you want a blindfold or not? <laughs> what, what would you like for your last meal? Um, yeah, and the rest is, is these, um, these uh, burn, loot, and murder members. Uh, they need to be put on the back of a... Of a, of, a, of a mule, and, and swung. Enough of this is enough, and this is what pisses me off about Trump, is he, he's just nothing but mouth. He won't go in there and do anything. He talks about it, but won't do anything about it. We still have open borders. We still have issues with the voting. We still have issues with nominating 14 out of 15 people from, from uh, what's the name of that bank? Um, Goldman Sachs. I just drew a blank. Goldman Sachs. Sachs, 14 out of 15. I get into positions. I mean, you know, it's you know, obvious what's going on. Uh, you, you, I don't know that you can hang all this on Trump because he's only got li- a limited amount of power, okay? And you're aspersing that he's got total control with a whip over the bureaucracy, and he don't. And if you don't believe that, look yeah, at the has- fact that they're just now getting some of this key evidence out of the FBI and DOJ three or four years later, Okay. That's the problem. The problem is the administrative state. That's the system they've set up to rule, and you can see that it does a pretty damn good job. Okay, You can't get rid of these key bureaucrats that they've got in these positions we alluded to earlier because you can't fire them unless it's something super egregious. Okay, They are controlling the policy. They control the regulations that are written the interpretation of the laws that are passed into man-made laws interpreted, and then they're the ones that send people out there to uh, execute them and enforce them. Now, what, it, what has Trump been doing? He's been getting rid of massive amount of regulations, evidently. Yes, I keep hearing that. I don't know. I don't follow it like that. But uh, I don't know that we can hang all that on Trump. Look, I'm not defending the guy, but he, hell, who else do you think... Th- what? Who else could be up there? Well, you've got Congress being paid off by the. Uh, absolutely, they're totally paid off. You know, the, and the best, the the best course that we could hope for, I think, and I keep saying, pray for the guy. Okay, is that we're going to get the silent majority up off of their asses and go through this little exercise called an election, and they're going to get rid of them damn Democrats that are controlling it up there, and let him have a couple of years to truly effectively swing the sword and impede an agenda. 
And that's what I think they're scared to death well, I of. Sure I think that's what you're seeing, all of these stops pulled out to try and stop, is that scenario right there. And that is one thing I, I agree with. There are stops being pulled out, and I'll tell you, it's a, he's, a, he's going up against them, uh, no doubt about it, but I'd like to see some results. Our whole problem in this country is the fact that uh, laws are not being enforced. That's what's gotten us into so much trouble. They're just not being enforced. It's, and, it's a selective leadership. It's well, anarchy in our courtrooms. These are not our courtrooms. They belong, belong to them. You see, exactly what you're saying is the administrative state. The administrative state's got control. You don't think so? Look at the trials of Roger Stone and Flynn. Look at the corruption in that Roger Stone deal. For any of those Democrats to have the absolute outright hypocrisy of standing up and even objection to any of that proceeding as absolutely bastardized it was from the night he was arrested with 25 FBI agents at his house in boats, in, in SWAT vehicles, and everything else to walk up and arrest a 60-something-year-old guy in the middle of the damn night. Intimidation is what it is. It, it sends a message to everybody else. Uh, don't talk, or this is what's going to happen to you. Um, Same it, thing has happened out in St. Louis with those two. Right. That were, oh, that absolutely. Were, um, were leaving weapons. Absolutely. Same thing. That's all. It's all. And that. And that. Uh, the, uh, 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 not Attorney General, but that uh, prosecutor out there. She needs to be wrapped up and put in jail immediately. Sure does. Send the message back. We're not going to let. Period. Get out of here. And by the way, your black skin's got nothing to do with the law. No, neither does your Soros contribution. Else. Well, somebody else ought to, uh, ought to get in touch with, with, the, with the black black people out there, too. And it's simply, it's simply um, that uh, that Confederate flag that everybody keeps referring to is not a Confederate flag. That's a Virginia battle flag. That's it, a Virginia battle flag. It's got nothing to do with the Confederacy. Don't. And that's the St. Andrew's cross on there. Don't. And, and, it's, and it comes down to the fact that if it wasn't for... Slavery's got nothing to do with with the Civil War. If it wasn't for slavery, the blacks wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for the white race, the blacks would still be slaves. Well, you know, so a lot of it offends me. They either pack their bags and go on back to Africa, where the where the radical blacks need to go. This is America. Top. I've worked with the top twenty percent of any of the, of the uh, minorities out there, and they're great people to work yep. with. They're, yep. They are Americans. They're true yep. Americans. Rest of them. With a dam, and I don't. I'm not gonna put up with them living off of my welfare check and, and sucking me dry, going burn my cities down. It's time it. for them to understand you are gonna be put in jail for the rest of your life if you don't change your damn ways. Um, I got two videos up there on my list of videos by this guy named Ellison that was a head of the NAACP, I think, in Asheville, who uh, ended up being a member of the Confederate. Uh, one of the Confederate organizations up there, and Mr. Ellison walked from Asheville, North Carolina, all the way to Texas with a full-size Confederate battle flag on his shoulder. Yeah, the, the blacks, I feel very rough to that, that. If they want to, that's a rebel flag. That's a that's a Virginia battle flag, and it helped them free. It helped them get them free. If there's such you thing know, as free, 14th well, Amendment, a little, little bit commercial. We're not all free. We're all still slaves. Do you listen to any talks from your um, fellow state organization down there, the Abbeville Institute, Mike? No. Uh, you need I don't to, know uh, about them. Oh, you, well, listen, you need to know about them then. So does everybody else if you don't. The Abbeville Institute was founded by a guy named Robert Livingston, who was one of the original founders of the League of the South. 
and split. And he and a bunch of, for whatever reasons, they went over and founded the Abbeville Institute. He's got a bunch of excellent, excellent lectures online with scholars going back into the specifics of what you're talking about. And one of them talks about the difference in financial and the lifestyle of the Jeffersonian South. And it uses as a metric the average income of the state. You know what the highest state income in the country was back then? You know who, what no state idea. it was? It was Bobby, yours. It was yours. Yeah. And you vied with Mississippi. Mississippi and you vied over the years, one to be on top and the other switch. And all of the southern states, the closest any northern state came was three-quarters of the lowest income per capita of the lowest southern state. That was Jeffersonian America. And they couldn't stand it. You also, too, the blacks don't understand, Roger, that they were actually part of the cause of the Civil War. They, they came in and went to plantations uh, sold by, out by their own people. And they did, and here's what, the, here's what happened. They did such a damn good job on the plantations of bringing in these crops and the things that had to be done by hand, by labor, that the North got real jealous and the South said, you know, you're going to start taxing us. Well, we're just going to start selling this stuff to Europe. The hell with you, Northerners. That's what basically caused all the problems. Well, it's always the, the, taxation. the taxation. I've come. Well, I've, that's, that's, right. a, and that's what they use to aggravate the situation. And I've come to the conclusion that the, for, the Civil War was fought to pass the 14th Amendment. Plain and simple. It, it's all everybody's been rused and used is what's happened. But you know, it's a, if it if it hadn't been they, they the blacks were part of part of the building of, of the South. That's what made it so great. Is yep. that all the products that were coming out of the South were going overseas because they wanted to tax the living hell out of them. So like, the South said, "No, you're not going to do it." I, I found and, this and out. Of course, obviously, you know, in one of those you know, forty percent of the, of the uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, forty percent of the Jews up north. Slaves. Sure. They had 70. 40% of them had. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a huge amount. And they own 50 to 70 slaves on that large percentage of Jewish families that own slaves. The very few plantation owners owned that many. Most, if there were slave owners, maybe owned one or two. Okay. Uh, Yes, fascinating history to get back into it. I was going to say this. And part of that history is just. Let me just say this. I can't pull this out of a Livingston talk the other night. I never knew this, and I bet you didn't either. The slaves had due process. Did you know that? The, oh, know that. They owned, whoever owned the slave only owned their labor. The slave actually had due process, and there's a number of cases, several that went to the Southern Supreme Court over it, where the slaves were uh, charged with murder in their masters, and one of them got off. Okay? So they had separate due process rights. Now, I've never heard that before. Also, something else happened, too, that's not well known, and that is after the Civil War, <laughs> you know a lot of slaves not slaves, but the plantation workers, started buying their own property. Sure. They started about one, two, three hundred acres and started growing their own crops. I believe one of the biggest slave owners in the country was in your state, and he was black. 
and he selectively bred his slaves, and none of the white slave owners would do that. Yep. And, and here's something else that is, is this did not distinguish well, but uh, when they came over on the, on the Jewish um, uh, ships um, uh, to um, Charleston and to Savannah and to New Orleans, which were the three big um, slave areas, they were turned over to the slave auctioneers who were black themselves. Some yeah. of the biggest slave owners were blacks themselves. You left out the biggest and if, slave if market. It wasn't, you left out the biggest slave market in the country. Uh, would that be Newport, Newport, Rhode Island, where the first synagogue in America was founded and built by a guy named Lopez, who was yep. a Sephardic Jew. They changed his name to Lopez and ended up owning the majority of the slave ships as well as the rum distilleries as well as the scotch distilleries or whatever the alcohol distilled in the Newport area was. Yep. I forgot about that. You're he right. actually got a visit to the synagogue from anyway, George Washington, by the way. You know, went up there and they got some sort of a written invitation or something to Washington. I know there was that passed. I don't know if he ever went there, actually. But that was, from what I've read, the first synagogue in the Americas is in Newport, Rhode Island, because of the centricity of the slave trade there. It's what built all the Newport hypocritical bastards. You also look, there. there's also an extension down in Charleston. It goes down to Charleston, too. Yeah, yeah, I no think Charleston. Brits is, was established. And also, here's, here's something really odd, Roger, and that is that there, there's a lot of these radical blacks that I think are being radicalized deliberately, okay? Um, they, if I'm not mistaken, they, they want to take down the Robert E. Lee and, and the Jefferson. Robert E. Lee, wasn't he a graduate of West Point? He was the only graduate of West Point to this day that never got a demerit. They even took his name out of the demerit book when he was in school, and he later became the head of West Point for a while before the Civil War. You got no, you got a little bit more info. That I, I thought it very strange for them to do something like that when, when uh, actually Lincoln asked him to head up the uh, the Union. Well, you he know, stayed with the, with the Confederate, not the yeah. South. You know so, what he said, and. When he got the invitation from Lincoln, and of course he lived there, married well, what's Arlington National Cemetery was his home, and he received that note, and he wrote Lincoln a note back that said, I cannot fight against my country, meaning Virginia. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of covered-up history that needs to be brought out, and it's it's just destroying this country. Let me ask you a question, Um, Mike. there's one statue I was kind of glad they tore down. You know which one that was? Uh, which one they tore down? They finally down, got I around think. to the son uh, of a bitch, the blight of the Confederacy, General Albert Pike. And they yanked his statue down Albert. in this latest round. It was in D.C., but there's still one standing down in New Orleans that I think we ought to go yank down. You know who that is? Um... No. Judah P. Benjamin. Benjamin, there you go. Okay. Now listen, you said something. Yeah. You said you talked to Dennis often. 
Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that he, that the information and its importance went over his head. And I'm glad to see you here and in this discussion because, it, to me, audiences like his and all the work that he's done for so many years is good work. Okay? He's a nice guy. All right? is very important. And I, I got on his show a few weeks ago, and we got had technical problems on his end, didn't get it finished. He and I talked for a few, about 45 minutes afterwards. But my sense is that he didn't get the importance, and I understand that a lot of people don't. Okay? But... Dennis has been on the air for about 10 years, right? With his show? Yes. Okay, and I've listened a number of times, and I understand the content, I understand the passions, but you're never going to accomplish anything getting out there and bitching about Jews. What you got to do is go in there and confront them with their fraud and let them know that you know who and what they are and what they've done, and now you've beaten them, and now you've got legal basis to stand on. And until you do that, all you're going to do is piss right up a rope. Well, man, what you're saying is right, but a lot of people, what the problem is that they, they, they're so in the face with propaganda on the, the radio, the TV, uh, internet, it, there's so much fraud out here, it's hard to get the truth. And this, this is what I'm referring, we're finding out. Trying to get the truth. You've always got a contradiction to whatever you hear. and that's, We've got to go to some place where you can get the truth. Well, well that's why when I started, people when, I sta when Mike, when I started that show with Dennis intentionally, the first thing I did was have Dennis and the whole audience go to the State Department's website and pull up a specific specific document, and I had him read it. And it says all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. From their website and their document, how much more truth do you need? Now, I started the show with that, okay? Which he thanked me for in our private conversation. All right, but I'm just saying, if you talk with Dennis... You need, see, the, the way that we get strong and beat these bastards is to have a group of strong individuals that not only know what the game is, but have confronted them with them and won. And when we get a strong individuals, they get scared because they know they're totally exposed. And that's the only way you're going to beat them. Otherwise, you guys can jaw all for hours, at two days a week, about the Jews this and the Jews that, and it ain't going to never do any good. Because they've got the presumption of law on you, and until you rebut that presumption of law, you're not on even ground. Who controls the law? Well, Roger. God does, and the fact that they recognize that affidavit should tell you that. They, can't, they can control their law, the merchant law, where they can pull all kinds of crap, and as long as you're under the presumption and under that umbrella, that's what you're going to get. And until you sever that connection and rebut that presumption, you ain't going to never get anything different. That's how important a line of demarcation it is. Michael and Roger. Yeah. You didn't quite finish the State Department's citation. The rest of that is after it says all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals, it says, but some, and it implies exclusive, U.S. nationals are not U.S. That's citizens. That's correct. And the only reason that you there got you go. the truth out of the bastards is, is they're having to take the rest of the document and explain the fraud. 
Well, with all the corruption that's in the CIA, the FBI, and the Department of Justice, and the governorships and, and the mayors, I mean, where's where's the truth? I mean, I'll where, tell you the where truth. Where is the stability I'm, for this? I'm, the society's got I'm to show you. Surprise I'm with, gonna, with, I mean, it's not being done. I'm going to tell it's you. Being used and, and I'm going I'm to tell you where the truth is, and you can go look it up yourself and verify it. And you can go to almost any library and do it. There's a group of books called the Code of Federal Regulations. Are you familiar with them? Yeah. Yes or no? Was that a yes? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. that's the code of the administrative state that's governing and running the country. And if you go to, there's 50 yep. titles of them. Each one's attached to a title of the code. And if you go to the first page of any one of those titles, and they're going to give their jurisdictional statement right there on the first page, who do you think it is they got jurisdiction on with all except one, and I'll explain the difference. Who do you think is a stated in their book of rules that they must follow, by the way, Who's their stated jurisdictional coverage? Jurisdictional over anybody who's a U.S. US citizen? No. Residents. 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 Okay, yeah. There's only one where they recognize the U.S., the the, the old U.S. state citizen, citizen of the United States of America, only one of those 50 titles they recognize that. And that's Title 26, the income tax one. And that's because they had to, A, and because they want to use the loophole where they don't pay taxes, B. Okay? And it reads, 1.1-1A, pretty close to the front of the book, an income tax is levied on all individuals who are citizens of the United States and residents, and to the extent of 871B and 877B, two different sections of the code, all non-resident alien individuals. Now, you wouldn't know that the non-resident alien is a state citizen, is a United Citizen, capital C citizen of the United States of America, and also a U.S. national. All of those labels are that concept, and that's why I keep hammering on people, learn the concepts here. Because if you don't understand the concept, you'll never catch it because they changed the label. But the whole thing is based on residency. And you see, if you say you're a resident in the state, reside is the last word in the 14th Amendment's first clause, and the state wherein they reside. So when you're telling them you're a resident of a state, you're telling them you're tied back to D.C. through federal citizenship. That's the whole control mechanism right there, the group that controls everything, the administrative state. So the answer to the big question, don't be a resident. It's a rebuttable presumption. All you got to do is tell them you're not one, and you're done. What do you do if you're a doctor and you need a license to practice in your state? And and you can't get a license I, out of Washington D.C. You know, I can't as a U.S. I I, I can't, can't. I don't. You can't, you can't put your labor out there. And yeah, they've got you kind of in you, a box. If you, you yeah, yeah, either yeah, no, you're wrong. If and, the guy, if the doctor's got the balls to stand up to it and learn and and defend his position, he will be victorious. But there's very few of them that know about it that are willing to do that. 
don't need balls, you need money. I can't talk and, about and what, listen, Mike, I can't talk about what, what ifs and special exemptions. I'm talking on the broad coverage here. For those of you who want to get free and beat these bastards, learn this information, file a piece of paper with the Secretary of State, and be educated enough to be a belligerent claimant and defend your position, and you win. May I offer something for Michael's question? Sure, Chris, please. Well, this is something I've had to deal with before being attacked in court by attorneys claiming I was trying to practice law with a license. There is no license to practice law or to practice medicine or any other craft or trade. It's merely a union, a private association. And that is stated in Schwer, S-C-H-W-A-R-E, versus the Board of Examiners, Sims v. Iron, and also in Holt versus U.S. and U.S. versus Lavasco. There is no license. It's only a privilege, a permission slip from a private association, a union of members who ask to be part of it, and volunteer into their system and their control leverage mechanism. The way that they require you to have a license is you're under the presumption of being a resident and under their jurisdictional control. And tricking you into volunteering. Okay. I'm telling you, Mike, listen, study it. And if you talk to Dennis, try and get this point. Because I've tried a couple of times, and I think it went right over his head. Evidently hates law and all that stuff, which I understand. But I'm telling you, you want to beat these bastards? This is how you beat them right here. And I've never seen anybody else beat them on a consistent basis in 30 years. There's three things in the legal system that I've learned. You, you never get what you need. It takes too long, and it costs too much. Are you talking the about their, Mike, or, Mike, you're talking about their legal system. See, you know what this whole yeah. thing yeah, was designed to do? To separate us from the common law because they can't beat the common law. They've got to get us under the tentacles of their damn merchant law. So when you talk legal stuff and you're conceptual of it, try and get yourself out of the merchant law and see that you might have the ability to go back and claim your original common law hereditament the way the country was founded. You see, they can't get rid of it. All they can do is veneer over it. If you go back to the organic... If you go back to the statutes at large, which is the organic laws of the United States, it's the second, third set of law books in the law library, and you go to volume one and open up volume one of the organic statutes at large, the first thing you find, the Articles of Confederation. You'll also find the Articles of the Northwest Territory in there, and you'll find all the changes. You'll also find the Declaration of Independence in there. I believe that's the first one. So they're in the first book of the group of organic laws. Do you think they've done away with them? They haven't done away with them. They can't. They don't have that power. All they can do is fraudulently cover over them and trick you. Those tricks are called rewards, and that's how they get people on their side, into they, their system. They no, reward no, them. no, that's not All correct. I'll tell you what we found out, Mike, because you had not been around, and you probably missed this. One of our good students, Brian Howard, out of Austin, Texas, is a real fighter, okay? He's been 
uh, aware of my situation for six, seven years, carried a case in Idaho trying to get a non-resident driver's license all the way to the director of transportation of the state, and we got a rare admission out of the bastards that they can only issue a state-issued driver's license. Who do you think they can only issue a state-issued driver's license to, Mike? Well, U.S. citizens. No, no, no. Residents. Residents. Okay, same thing. Well, yes and no. Okay. So Brian moves back to Texas. He has two daughters born at the same hospital. And he's got, he's got a penis erectus on this birth certificate issue. And so he goes down there real casual with his daughters up to the administrative thing and says, I need, I'm forming these two folders on my daughters for the rest of their life for all the important paperwork in case they ever need it. And I'd like to get some copies of stuff from you. Anyway, the lady, after a while, sends him downstairs to where this whole activity is generated. Okay. Now, this is straight from what happened. All right. So he said, he goes up to the counter, and the lady comes, and he tells her what he wants, and she says, well, wait a minute. And she goes off for about 10 minutes, and when she comes back, the first words out of her mouth is, you're not going to use anything I tell you against us, are you? And he goes, no, of course not. And she said, okay, when a child is born, this is the process. There's a piece of paper generated called a verification of facts. And it's got all of the baby's birth information, weight, color, hair color, eye color, whatever. And at the bottom of that sheet is a place for the mother and the father to sign it. That document is never signed by the mother and the father. It's taken straight over to a computer terminal from the government, of which there's one in every hospital in the United States, and the information on the verification of facts is input into the computer and transferred to the Bureau of Vital Statistics. There, the birth certificate is generated, and after it's generated, it's put into a safe that is manned by armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's the process, Mike, straight from the hospital's mouth. Now, what does that tell you? Yeah, well, that's the, the presumption. The The 14th Amendment starts out all persons born. That way of assigning status comes from the feudal system. It's the only place it's ever been operable. And once they've got that element of it under the tent, the rest of the camel's in. So from birth, you're presumed, because you don't have parents, they were serfs too. They had property, and because they were owned as property, their property is owned as property, and it's, it's absolutely verified by a birth certificate generated in that manner and put into a safe, which as a secondary function is a legal document called a warehouse receipt. And now the warehouse receipt, the paper, legally, and in that theory of law, actually becomes the good. That's why they arm it arm with armed guards. And that then is securitized, and that's the basis of the financial system. And you pay your taxes to the bondholders that you're the collateral for. Bond is the root word Better of... Known. 
Bond is the root word of bondage. Better known as the serf's collar. So that's all fraudulent, and they know it. And when they receive the affidavit at the Secretary of State, who's the final arbiter for all types of anything determining citizenship, which the reason he's got that responsibility. Chris, have you figured out the reason that he's got that responsibility from the start of the country yet? Chris isn't with us, I'll tell you. The reason that the Secretary... Well, it seems to me they had to have... Okay, you're back. Yeah. In Patel's Law of Nations, each country has to have someone responsible for determining citizenship status of people that are there and issuing uh, travel letters. Correct. Past, uh, he, to be able to control who comes and goes to well, secure the borders against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Look at it so, this way. The responsibility primary of the Secretary of State dealing with other countries is to be able to issue identity documents, such as the passport. And because he has that authority, he has to know what status and who you are before he issues the document, doesn't he? It's ex parte. Yeah, hey, hey Daryl, there's Daryl. So that's why it goes back to that 1835 Supreme Court case that I never can pronounce. And the guy says it doesn't matter about the passport. What really matters is what's in possession of the secretary, if admissible in a court of evidence, a court of law, that should be considered the higher and better evidence. That's from 1835. So when you send something to the secretary of state, you're rebutting the presumption that you're under this feudal system and telling them you want to go back to your original God-given rights, capital C, citizen, capital R, rights, capital D, duty, personage. Hey, Daryl, welcome aboard. Well, good morning. Uh, and and uh, Chris and, and Roger, and, and uh, nice to meet your acquaintance, Mike. And, Mike, that's why they recognize it, is they've got to, because it exposes the fraud. And that's why they're silent as a lamb, and you'll never hear my name or my book or anything we talk about on any of their hate lists or on any of their lists, because they don't want to raise it up to a point of where people that don't know about it go, well, what's this little asshole talking about? And go over and start reading the website. Well, yeah. The... Uh the, uh, the the beautiful thing about having a duality, a dual system, is uh, with enough time, and uh, as Mike was referring earlier, disinformation, you can conflate the two in the minds of almost all people, which is the evidence. This is what's been done. So I appreciate what Mike's, what you're saying, Mike. Uh, and... You're left with two choices here because it's a dual system. You can either cut the Gordian knot of bondage or you can untie it. And uh, as, as this situation develops, more and more people, as they become aware of it, um, are inclined to want to cut the knot instead of unwind the knot. And... Um, so if we go back to the duality when you when you bring up when you when you throw out the term law 
being the character that I am, Mike, uh, when everybody, when anybody throws that out as a as a tool or a weapon or a bludgeon against me in a conversation, I smile and I look back at him and I go, I ask him a question, Mike, and I go, well, what kind of law and whose? So I, I put it back in their court. Well, whose law are you talking about and what kind? Now, if if they can't answer that question, then I, I I've been able to assess their level of understanding and, and maybe their, the context and their intent. Uh, so at this point, uh, I, I sort of leave it at that point. So if, if you don't understand there's different kinds of law and those laws are used by different people for different purposes, then, you know, that's, that's kind of where the conversation has to, so or argument, <laughs> it could my- be an argument has to start. Mike, yeah. here's what you do, and here's the process. Well, once you file the affidavit with the Secretary of State telling him what you're not, all you have to do is you could put one sentence in there, I'm not related to black slaves after the Civil War and federal citizenship. You could put that one statement in there, and they'd have to accept it. Okay? Once you've got that done, now you take it to your local guys. What city are you in in South Carolina? Or clo- A small one or a large one? near Greenville. Okay, so you go up, you take wherever your jurisdiction is, if you're lucky if it's in a smaller town, okay, and you go to the chief of police or the sheriff there, and you say, or you send it to him in the mail, this is on file with the Secretary of State, it correctly identifies my citizenship evidence. And that's the words that the State Department uses, citizenship evidence. Now what you've done, you've leveled the playing field with them by filing the affidavit with the Secretary of State. Now you're taking an offensive position and you're using the absolutely bona fide legal doctrine of due process, which is the underpinnings of all basis of law, and you're using them in your favor. Because now you're going and say, look, I'm not a resident. So if you want to try and charge me with this crime or that crime, guess what? All those crimes are written for who? Residents. Well, you've severed that, and you've put them on notice. And if they come after you now, they've lost their cloak of personal immunity. You want to take them to court and take everything they've got? This is powerful stuff, man. We don't use it. A lot of people don't have the balls to either learn it, take the time, or to utilize it. But you've got the weapon in your hand here. You've just got to swing it. Don't forget, Excalibur has two sharp sides. We've got an unoccupied parallel system. I don't know of any lawyer that would take you into a courtroom. Well, you're not going to hold it, Mike. You're not going to go into a courtroom because all the laws they're charging you with are written for residents, and you've officially told them you're not one. Good point. You just make an affidavit. That's all you're doing, right? Well, that's you're 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 getting back the document that your parents should have signed when you were born the verification of facts as your parents and not as some feudal piece of property that's owned by the federal government. And that's what's happening. And that's well, why we, they we, can... We they, environment. They, we live in a de facto environment. They appear... It's, all, it's fraud. It, it is fraud. And that's what you're officially confronting them with when you file that paperwork. And they've got to recognize it because they know yeah, it is you're, too. You're rebutting the fraud. 
you're rebutting the fraud. Who's going to make? Uh, going to make them? Mike. Who's going to? Who's force that? Who's going to make them do that? Uh, a good example of the Department of Justice, FBI, CIA. Who's going to make them do any of that stuff? Darryl, is, do you think uh, uh, the, the general is do anything with these guys? They're all going to walk. You want to try and talk to Simpson? You want to try and get past the illusion, Daryl? I'm having a hard time. I, I want. I want the American way. I want the American way, and well, that is to get the just get the fraud out of the way because well, it's yeah. in our. It's all you got to do is recognize, Mike. Instead of bitching, all you got to do is do a little studying and think and understand what the fraud is, how it's based, rebut it officially, and you're home free, baby. You just got a four uh, a four run hit out of the ballpark. Well, I know Mike, it's hard uh, to believe, and it's hard to fathom, but that's how simple this is. Why do you think they've gone to such lengths to hide this crap? Because they know how easy it is to get out of it. Yeah. Hey, Mike, uh, I'm with you, man. Uh, I'm, I'm all for the American way, too. And you, Listen, you're in the right place, and uh, within a couple months – uh, that's not too much time to invest a couple months of uh opening your your mind and your heart to what we're talking about here and and the process and uh you can reclaim and rebut the fraud and uh you can uh i mean i've done it uh i've been living my life this way for some time and uh what about seven it's, years it's, now Daryl? about seven seven eight years uh, not, not quite not quite. It's, it's coming up on seven. And, uh, so it's, um, it's, it's actually quite wonderful. And, uh, you, you get your, uh, you get your identity back and, and, uh, you, you unwind the contradictions. And, uh, so, you know, I, I agree with Mike, you know, he, he's talking about truth and, uh, I, I would pour, I would, I would proffer this to you that in, in a statement of truth, what I've come to come to learn and, and the evidence is that truth comes from the bottom up. It doesn't come from the top down and uh, authority tries to create its own truth. Uh, in this case, uh, a fraud. Uh, we rebut that. We rebut that fraud and then we bring truth from the bottom up. And uh, this is very empowering. And um, uh, when when you understand and have knowledge of what we're talking about here, the, the foundation of it, you you won't want a a bar attorney to represent you. They don't know this stuff. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, Chris makes a really very very powerful point, and it's their private guild. Uh, you know, as George Carlin would say, it's their club. And and Mike earlier made the comment, he used the word society. Well, uh, a society, it's their society. Uh, I don't want to be a part of their society. I want my American society back. And so I had to re-educate myself as to whose law and what kind, the American law, and uh, what kind of law it was. And uh, on Friday on this uh, platform, Mike, there's going to be a very interesting man named Brent Winters who specializes in a, in American law, and uh, uh, he he brings a lot to the table. 
But, you know, literally, if, if you haven't read Roger's book, you, you, you buy the book or you get the book, I'll probably get you one, and uh, you just take the time to over a, over a week and read it. And, uh, you know, I, I can tell by listening to you that uh, you're a sharp guy and you, you've got a lot you got a lot of pieces, and uh, this book really does a lot to fill in, uh, to, to color it in. You know, the lines are drawn, but then this book, uh, in your own time, you know, you can read it, and it'll color in the lines. And then you got guys like Roger and Chris that can, uh, you know, pick the nits. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's been real interesting to listen. Well, yeah. I'm glad you came back, uh, you know, and, and come back around and bring this up because this week has been centering on this, which I'd rather talk about than the virus and all the other crap. Uh, this is where the rubber meets the road and is rebutting this presumption. You know, they they call when they group, get a group of, of laws, Mike, they call them uniform. Uniform commercial code, uniform yep. building code, uniform electrical code. You know why they do that? It's probably better to take deal with one issue than it is for um, 3,300 other counties who've got their own issues. Well, that they do it so they can control from the top down because everything's yeah. the same, okay? Yeah. Now, I found this back years ago in the official code of Georgia annotated, and there all the state laws are uniform, okay? So... You can find it if you want to take the time to, probably in the South Carolina Code also. And it's in the section that deals with residency and driver's licenses. And it tells you the presumptuous way if you've been in the state more than 30 days, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff in a paragraph. And then there's another paragraph underneath that. And then there's one line that sits there, and it says the term resident is a rebuttable presumption. It says that right in the code. You think they know what they're talking about? That's your way out. That's your way out, right? That's there. your way out, that's man. The, all the laws the they leave all the laws in the from the federal down are written for residents. All the laws in your state are written for residents. You don't want them to apply to you? Don't be a resident. You don't have to be. It's your choice. It's a rebuttable presumption. Now, in another document called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. You're familiar with that one? Yes. It says, down in the footnotes, their consent is our victory. Simple statement. So now let me ask you a simple statement. How old are you, Mike? I am retired. Okay, so you're over the threshold, right? So all your life you've been interacting with the system and they've been having documents put in front of you, and they ask you, are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? What did you answer every time? They always ask, they always ask if you're a U.S. citizen. That's right, a citizen. Yeah, that's right. Did they ever, they ever ask you if you're a U.S. national? Oh, no. Well, in that State Department document we opened up Dennis's show with, it says you're both right there in the State Department document. Why don't they ask if you're a U.S. national? 
Do you see where I'm going with this? You've given them your consent your whole life, and now you're bitching about it. Because no, no, see, you, you can't. Ignorance is not. I'm, I'm certainly not ignorant. Okay. No, and you're not. I, I, I am ignorant. I'm not, and, and the problem is that you've been given so much BS that you begin to believe the stuff, and it gets confusing. That's what's pissing me off. Is there's so much fraud? No, you, you, you Mike, get confused, and we've Mike, had several well, people. Mike, and, let's let's get unconfused, yeah. baby. That's why I'm here to unconfuse you. You're, you're and, in the and right. To, you deal with one you're more right thing place, that nobody man. else seems. It's called retaliation. Yeah. So, well, you, all right, you want to retaliate? File a damn document with the Secretary of State and say, I ain't under your jurisdiction, you lying, thieving piece of crap. Slaving son of a bitch. Anything, and if you want anything from them, you can go out and just piss in the wind if you'd like. Well, now that's not true because I filed this paperwork the first time in 2007. Okay. When I was moving to Argentina and I was getting a passport to leave hell or high water, all right? And I finally, after all those years, went and grabbed a passport application. You know why? Because I had to. And there at the top of the front page is what I've been looking for for 15 years. <laughs> I remember you telling me that when you do it before you got ready to leave. Okay. Right there, my fear had kept me from finding the answer for 15 years. Well, let me ask you, are you going to get protection from this occupied government, or are you going to get protection from well, the parallel system you want to, you I, want to they go back owe, into? I, Who's hold going to protect it. you? Well, I'm, I'm, well let's, let's go back to some of the basic stuff. Protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. That's the contract, okay? That word allege is allege man to allege lord. That comes from the feudal system. And that word liege is the root word of allegiance. And allegiance is jurisdiction, okay? They have to protect you. You're still a citizen. They just don't have any jurisdiction over you. And I'm going to give you a real-life yeah, example. I think the probably... I'll give you a real-life example, man. This happened to me. In Argentina, I caused a very bad wreck. There was a number of fatalities. And there were Americans involved, three of us. And somebody from the big city there knew the consul in Buenos Aires at the embassy. Now, I guarantee you that woman looked at my profile and the people that were involved before she got on a plane and flew all the way up to Mendoza, 600 miles, to come ride herd over that accident for a couple of days. And when I was laying in a bloody sheets in the hospital, she had to get past armed guards in my room because they were afraid I was going to get lynched and get in there to that room and she said i'm her name i can't remember her name she's a female real sharp one from wisconsin actually daryl and she got by my bedside and i started talking to her about this political stuff okay and she said i don't want to talk about that right now we're the only country in the world that does this for our citizens now i was a u.s national buddy and she flew 600 miles up there and spent three days up there well Roger. Wouldn't it have been nice the, if the people involved Roger. with Benghazi oh. would have the same treatment? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, if we don't do something yeah. about this and start taking some concerted movements, the whole damn world's going to look like Gaza. 
So uh, the State Department, the State, the State Department has a duty, whether you are a U.S. national or a 14th Amendment civil rights citizen, they have a duty to either one of these these two statuses. And in Roger's example illustrates this. Uh, she understood that you were a U.S. national, but yet she still had, they still had a duty. And they had an authority and a responsibility associated with that because they had issued that passport, had they not. So they, they, they have a, an obligation, uh, which other status you happen to be. Okay. So did we lose you Mike? Know, uh, did Mike drop off? They, they can't deny that. They, they can't deny that because if, if they had denied that, they would have denied at the, at excluded the bill of rights. Yep. So they, everybody's been convinced that they, uh, of the authority and, and the, uh, the, the, the rights of civil rights, well, they also, the other thing called the Bill of Rights, and, and this is what you get back. This is another thing that you reacquire, have access to. Uh, let me ask you a question, Mike. Would, uh, you know, based upon your life and your experience, would, would you rather have the Bill of Rights or would you rather have civil rights? I, I think, unfortunately, we lost Mike. Oh, Bill of Rights. No, there he is. Okay, good. Exactly. Bill of Rights. There he is. Yeah, you, Mike. Yeah, yes, sir. Mike is saying that he would rather have the Bill of Rights than civil rights. And uh, uh, ding, ding, ding. Uh, I say that's the correct answer. <laughs> well, right now, right they're, now, they're, Mike, it's still available to yeah. everybody, but you got to go through the appellate courts in Washington D.C. to get to the Constitution. That's no, the only you way don't. You can do it, All you I'm got, off. no, you got to go to the Secretary of State and tell him the Constitution applies to you again. Otherwise, the Constitution applies to you only through the 14th Amendment, which your whole life you've told them. Yeah. Are you a citizen of the United States? Well, yep. Well, Are you a resident? Yep. Sign something. Are you, in, in the, not uh, only do you capture in, U.S. citizens, you keep that, but you also get the, the Constitution in addition to that. Is that correct? Correct. Here's what. Let me see if Are I can describe it a better way. Remember when females started working their way into corporate America 20, 30 years ago, and they kept complaining about the glass ceiling, that they could never get up in the boardroom? Well, that's the same thing yeah. here. With a 14th Amendment citizen, they let you see the Constitution through the glass, but you can only access it through the 14th Amendment. When you file the paperwork, the glass shatters and you got your arms around it. Uh, Mike, you can you can look at it this way if it helps. Um, uh, under the Fourteenth Amendment, it, it's stated right there uh, in the in the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, all persons. Uh, you, when you accept being a U.S. citizen, you accept being that person. Uh, you have civil rights at this point. Because uh, you accepted it. You consented to this. Okay. Uh, when you go through this process and you have understanding, knowledge of this, you become of the, uh, of the states of the union. Okay. At this point, you're not. Mike. And uh, let me, let this me is part of that duality and, and unwinding not. This helps with a lot of people. Let's look at it this way. And this goes back and uses Aladask. Do you know who Aladask is, Mike? 
No. It, well, you can look up at, uh, man and other animals. You can put that in there. He got a he he got a a, a suit that had been going on in Texas, prosecuted by the Assistant Attorney General of Texas for the feds for five years, and Al got enjoined into this suit. It was over colloidal silver. They put him as a trustee of the trust. The entity was a trust they were going after. They named Al because of his prowess in law as the trustee. And when they did that, they enjoined him in the suit. Well, Al went back and started reading all of uh, the old statutes. And he went back to the original laws, and he found a clause in there where it said these laws apply to man and other animals. Man and other animals animals and he went into the assistant attorney general of the state of texas and laid that down and said i'm made in god's image not an animal and the feds and the attorney general folded their tent and walked away after five years and half a million dollars okay that's fact you can go read about it now let's take that example and apply it to the 14th amendment the 14th Amendment says all persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. Let's change that. It does not say all persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, are subject to the jurisdiction thereof. It says and, which means if there's some that are and, there's some that are and not, because everything's got an opposite. And subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Sorry, Mr. Secretary of State, I'm not subject, period. You see, you and everybody else has the idea that they're telling you what you are. But all the way back to Vattel's Law of Nations, that's called tyranny. That's why they've convoluted the system where yeah. they ask you what you are. And your whole life, you've told them you're a voluntary serf under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment. What the hell else do you expect them to think you are? Hey, Mike, uh, Roger, earlier in the week, was earlier this week or uh, last week, Roger, you, you were talking to Chris. And you made made this incredibly powerful observation. I, I really took note of it. <clears throat> and it's it's when they ask you if you're a U.S. citizen. And uh, you made the comment, uh, like if you were in a, uh, a courtroom, if they ask you, well, are you a U.S. citizen? And, and your comment was, well, the thing to say here is to object. Object on what grounds? Well, that's a leading question. They're leading you into that. It's a leading question because they're they're not giving you the, the the choice of whether you are a U.S. citizen or a U.S. national. And that's why I started out that uh, program with Dennis with that document. I said, everybody in the audience, go look this up, get it up. And I didn't proceed till Dennis got it on his screen and read me that sentence out of his own mouth. And there's the proof. According to the INA, comma, all, A-L-L, all. U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. The, the, uh, the thing to have in your mind is to understand there's a difference and then not assume the presumption. Uh, and uh, it, it's, 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 amazingly, it's amazingly simple. 
It is, but, but you kind of have to have this foundational. You have to start at the foundation, okay? Yeah. You can't you can't jump into this thing three fourths of the way up and take off running. You you, you actually just have to spend a couple weeks, read the book, ask a few questions. Uh, Mike's and, a southern and boy. really, Mike's a southern boy. I, I, I'm think gonna, well, I understand what's going on. I'm gonna bring up something. Was, let me let me bring up something, Mike. You're a southern boy. Asked, you know about the Jim Crow laws. Remember the Jim Crow laws? I mean, I know you weren't alive yeah. back then, but you know about them, right? Oh, yeah. What happened to all the, the white facilities? Where'd they all go? Well, those are all, they're all those are control mechanisms. This legal system is what you call wordsmithing. Yes, it is. It's fraud. And, and, and Daryl, question, are you a citizen? I would say, are those all the options? Here, let's, let me Excellent. place it to Excellent. you a different Excellent. way. Let me, let me give you a different way to look at it. Excellent. Are you a citizen of the United States, or are you a citizen of the United States of America? Well, I'm, I'm a citizen of the United States, but um, I, I need to be a citizen of the United States of America. Real simple. Constitution. Well, There's the two different countries. We can, we can help you. Both of them. We can help you. We can help you do that. Well, Okay, now here, here's, what, here's the question. Here's the big question. Once you get there, what kind of benefits am I going to be given up? What kind of well, rewards am I going to be given up? Well, you're going to get the rewards mm. of being empowered for one thing, and I would I would proffer you to have a conversation on the side with Daryl about that because he's one of the better examples of it. But you uh, all these all these judges out here aren't good. Uh, okay, okay well, they're well, all compromised and I'm all a, bought I'm, off. I'm going to give you a couple of benefits. For one thing. You're you're legally out of paying all taxes except for 871 and 877B, and I'm assuming you probably don't owe any of those. Uh, one of them's on corporate bonds. The case Brushhaber versus Union Pacific Railroad was about that, and the other is if you want to truly expatriate the country and you owe back taxes and stuff. So right. if you don't want to have any, either one of those two baggages there, you owe no more taxes. Okay. Uh, you can still access your benefits because I applied for Social Security eight years ago and included my affidavit with my application to cash in on what they took from me. And for eight years, I've been receiving my Social Security without any problems. Okay, because it's not a benefit. I paid into that. It's not like I'm over there, you know, with a uh, in a wheelchair and they're giving me benefits. It's not a benefit. They stole ninety percent of it anyway, and I'm happy to have it. Okay, so it doesn't cease you from interacting with them, but it sets you apart from them legally and more importantly, lawfully, because legal. Hello, somebody's getting a vibrator. Who's getting a vibrator? Yeah, that's you there, ghost person. You're getting a vibrator. Thank you. Uh so all it does is it takes you out of the system like we're commanded to do in the Bible. It says, come out of her, my people, come out of her. This is how we come out of her. Who, who wanted to say something just then? Well, okay. So uh, anyway, Mike, just look into it, man. I'm telling you, the truth is here, and I know it's very confusing, and some people have a harder time with it than others, but I can tell you this. I've been on the air talking about this and promoting the book and learning more for 10 years. And I don't know everybody that's read the book. I don't know everybody that's filed an affidavit. They didn't consult with me. Okay. Some did, most didn't, but I can promise you this. If anybody had problems because of it, 
I would be one of the first to know about it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it'd be pretty hard to hide that something like that. Well, I hadn't had one piece of blowback in 10 years from anybody that's ever done this. The only object, the only barrier they've attempted to put up, and they just did it for a short while because they realized it was so futile because our people are real educated. You know, I don't. I could have gone on here and started the show and sold you a thousand dollar of mystery paperwork, okay? And I'd have had a bunch of people that had probably send me a thousand dollars, all right? But they'd have filed the paperwork, they'd have been out of the system. But you know what the problem is? If they ever got confronted with it, they could never defend it because they never learned anything. It's the knowledge that changes you. And if you don't believe me, talk to Daryl. Here's a guy that has become so empowered, he's ready to stand up and chest bump with them, okay? And it's all because it's an empowering process. You get back under God's laws, and you here's what happens, and here's the process. You correct me if I'm wrong, Daryl. You go through this, and you're still really apprehensive, and there's an incident where you got to interact with one of these guys, whatever it is. And you go in there, and you go, I'm a U.S. national, and then they do everything you wanted them to do. And you walk out, and you go, holy smokes. And now you start looking for government officials to go confront. It's an empowering process, and it takes time. But it starts with knowledge and understanding, and you need a firm base of that to build on. And, buddy, you're going to have all the freedom and all the empowerment that God ever meant for you to have. If you want it, you got to want it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I would say, uh, partly this way. Of course, I agree with what you just said, but, uh, I, I noticed that, that, uh, the, uh, the U.S. territorial authorities, they, they sense when you're afraid of them. Uh, they, they sense, they understand when, you aren't confident and knowledgeable about uh, who you are because when you interact with them, most people are obsequious, obsequious and asking for permission. And uh, I don't poke them in the eye, but I, I also don't kowtow to them. And uh, of course, th- this other most importantly, I think, which is non-confrontational, is that by understanding, and I use that in the correct sense of the word, uh, understanding, uh, in case Jimmy's listening because he always gets me on that, um, is that I don't participate in their uh, their benefit programs. Uh, I, I don't want anything from them because I'm not a part of that society. So, so Mike, for an example... Um, when I, uh, uh, had the opportunity to get on the voter registration here, uh, I, I smiled and laughed and said, uh, oh no, I, I don't want that. And, and she says, well, sure. Yeah. You, you, you want to, you want to be registered. And, uh, there was two, uh, two, uh, Leo's cops standing behind me in line there. And, uh, I said, no, I'm a, I'm a Yankee. You don't want me voting around here. And uh, they all started laughing. Okay, so I, I turned it into a joke. But I, I don't want to. I don't want to participate in their United States uh, society. I, I want. I want to participate in the American uh, society. And 
I talk about it fairly casually now, but it's taken me a while to actually unwind what the words mean and use the correct terms. So uh, I, I don't, I don't identify with any aspect of the United States society, but I do. I'm strongly patriotic, if you will, about the American society, and they're they're completely two different things because they have a different law. And they have a different basis in law. And uh, so I, 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 I sort of uh, elude confrontation with them because I, I don't try to cause a controversy in, in their politics even. And I don't, uh, I'm not in rebellion from their society because I'm not a part of it, I, I came out of it and have done my very best to reacquire my hereditament, my my original inheritance from being uh, of the people. And that's under the Articles of Confederation of the Perpetual Union, uh, which is a part of that statement that 99% of the time, most people leave off the end of the perpetual union. Oh, and Mike, uh, in the interestingly state, enough, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt Daryl, but it's poignant in the state just North of you, Mike, yeah. North Carolina, yeah. there's a guy named John Ainsworth. Have you heard of him? I don't think so. No. Well, about, I guess it's probably, 12 years ago or more, he started North Carolina State. Not the state of North Carolina, but North Carolina State. And they went in and got a, high, a point, uh, elected a governor. He uh, Ainsworth was the Secretary of State. And they started filling those offices. And they've never objected in 12, more than 10 years up there. So the point is that, you see, they haven't taken those old offices away. They just flipped them around and made them political subdivisions, and the offices aren't manned by anybody. And he's proven that. Did you happen to hear Monday's show, Mike? We went over and did a lot. I I think I've heard you say. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think I remember you saying something about that. I took interest in it. Yeah, I didn't recognize Ainsworth's I, name. Though. I need to get Ainsworth on the yeah. show. Uh, uh, we we know each other through a mutual friend. I've been meaning to for a while. But his example is, is really interesting. Did you happen to hear a Monday show? Were you with us on Monday? I believe I was. Uh, I read two articles, one from the ACLU and one from NBC News on American Samoa. American Samoa and that relationship is really critical to understand because that's where the state citizenship is hidden. One of them's a non-citizen national, the American Samoans. They can't be 14th Amendment citizens, and the reason they can't be, and they left that out of the entire system, is so they can hide the old state citizen status there as just a U.S. national. You see, that's the equivocation between those two, a non-citizen national and a U.S. national. And and so that's where it's a, it's a really key to understanding what they've done. And I would encourage you if you if maybe go back and listen to that show again now that you know a little bit more. Uh, and it really is the key to their plan was hiding the original one 
Why? Because they can't get rid of it. They don't have that much power. We impute all these powers to them that, yes, as long as we're under the umbrella of that jurisdiction, they can just about do anything to you because you're considered property, their property. And it looks unlawful, and it looks all this stuff, but it's only because you're under that umbrella. You move out of that umbrella, they lose that power. Well, the shortcut to everything you've been saying is simply, if they put all the options in front of you and you could choose, you're you're going to do much better. But they don't put all the options in front of you. They do wordsmithing, and they do definitions. It's nonsense. Nobody... I've got 25 years of high-level computers. I know what redefines means, okay? Yeah. I knew that a long time. That's why I got into all this stuff, and I could see how they could manipulate everything left and right just by redefines. Well, that's exactly you it. You define something one way and another way. So, so it's real simple for me to understand this stuff. But, again, unless you put all the options in front of you, you don't know what you're dealing with. Well, that's I mean. We're dealing with schmucks. We know who we're dealing with. We just didn't know how they were doing it. Now we know how they were doing it and how to negate it, and that's what people ought to do if they're aggravated about it. There's the, there's the up, upward mo- motion pull, I mean, the, the push right there. He's trying to get to understand all that stuff, and they're not on your side. Like of I course said, not. Well, you, no. don't get, you don't get the truth. You you can't get the truth in the legal system. It's 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 a it's a union. It's like Chris said. It's a union made up of people who are going to benefit from it. And benefits. Hell, we right down here in Greenville, we've got five five uh, judges who take things back to the, the back door. You can buy them anytime you want to. Five out of about uh, twenty of them. Well, my that's it's, why it's, that's yeah. why we go back and learn the law and the things that they're not teaching these kids in law school such as things about residency and jurisdiction and what's the legal definition behind and the concept behind the word person, which they don't teach in law schools for the most part anymore. And we go back and teach people that stuff. It's not just because they don't teach it doesn't mean it doesn't apply and doesn't mean they don't recognize it either. There's one word that applies when you get into a legal, when you get into the courtroom, it's called confusion. And when they exercise that, it can get real stressful. There's one word that applies in the courtroom above all, and that word is resident. And if you'll look in the first paragraph of any case, and they make their jurisdictional statement in the first paragraph, and they'll go, Mike so-and-so, a resident of, and nobody ever rebuts it. And the presumption rolls forward. And the courts have got no truth or integrity. In fact, they couldn't the even. We they, well, they couldn't bring those charges against you unless you're a resident. Okay. So, what's the key? Don't be a resident. You don't yeah, have well, to be. Period. Now, I'll tell you what else I've learned, Mike. Resident is the key to the whole New World Order scheme because every country wants you to be one. I've learned that from my travels. You know about the backing of the word resident? And you can do this by not having to go to a law library. You can pick up Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. Have you heard me talk about this before, Mike? Mm, No. Okay, well, here's your dialectic. What they're doing, everything they're doing that you just went over a minute ago is all done with a technique that you can look up in the dictionary called equivocation. 
equivocation. I would invite you to do so and go look at it in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary where they give the definition and then down at the bottom he put a note in there and he said this technique is often used by non-Christians against Christians. Equivocation. That's what they're doing. They pulled all this off on that right there. And that's where they changed the definition of the word and place a 180-degree definition from the established definition and tie your mind in knots. In the Bible, in James 1.8, it's referred to as a man being double-minded is uncertain in all of his ways. So what they've done is tied knots in your mind using the opposite definitions of words. So now that you know the trick... All you got to do is go and get the correct definition, and that is changed in your subconscious. And every time you untie one of those knots, you get a slice of consciousness back. That's what's going on. That's how to defeat it. Now, let's take a specific word, resonant. Go to the Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, and it's going to have two definitions in it. And the first one is the act or fact of living or dwelling in a place for some time. Let's call that the geographical definition. The second definition is exactly the same almost. The act or fact of living or dwelling in a place for some time, and then it adds, for the receipt of a benefit or the discharge of a duty. That's the legal definition. And I saw in a court case in a book called Words and Phrases, a group of books in the law library, which pulls words and phrases out of important court cases. And you can go look at the word and see every court case that's had a decision on that word or that phrase. It's a very handy tool in a law library. And if you go to the term resonant in words and phrases, one of the court cases says this. Any time the word resident is used in a legal context, its definition is always legal. There's the presumption. But if you'll go back, you'll see the two separate, now equivocated, definitions of the word resident in the college dictionary. And I've maintained for a long time that if we could go back and somebody would astidiously do the research and find out the origins of where they put that equivocated definition to the word resonant, you're going to find the origins of this plan because that's the key word. It, it would have been originally identified as an alien resident. Right. And if you go back to Vitell, by the way, and look at the word resident yeah. anywhere in Vitell, it always identifies it as a resident alien. Now, Mike, just for your background and audience, this is coming and they're pulling it from a body of law called ambassadorial law, where countries sign treaties and exchange ambassadors. Okay? And so in that, the ambassador to the United States would be in residence. So let's use the example of an Argentinian or maybe even an Ecuadorian ambassador flies into U.S. He's got diplomatic immunity, but in his pouch they find a kilo of cocaine. Do they throw him in jail there in D.C. and try him under the U.S. courts, or do they put him on a plane and send him back to Ecuador? They put him back on a plane and send him to Ecuador because he's in residence. And what that means is Ecuador's laws apply to him, not the United States. 
So when you say you're a resident and they ask you, what you're telling them is you're under the laws of Washington, D.C. via the 14th Amendment. That's what's going on. Did you get that? Hello? Oh, yeah. I sat and listened. So that's how they're using and imputing that definition into that term. But if you'll go back it's on all these words. Yeah, of course it's manipulation. Well, no, nobody's denying who the son of a bitches are. What we're doing is going in and discovering their make, fraud and how to get out of it. Well, they, who's going to make them obey it? They obey it because they can't that? overcome God. If they could overcome God's laws, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and all those documents wouldn't be over there in page in book one of the organic statutes at large. They don't have that power. Uh, which one? Uh, which, one which God are you talking about? The capital G one. Capital G. Oh, yeah? You look at your first commandment. What does it say? Have no gods other. No other. You know, I just get into this great big, when you get when you take politics and religion out of decisions, you'll have better decisions. Well, Mike, I'm just trying to get you on the road to freedom and to recognize what's gone on here. Okay, so and I welcome the I, discussion. I, I, I think the program's been great. This is the stuff I'd rather talk about. Quite honestly, this is where the rubber meets the road <laughs> right here. Okay. <laughs> The retaliation could be quite severe, too. There's and, no and, and retaliation. Mass, Nobody, mass. you know, the only retaliation, let me tell you, the only retaliation I've had in 10 years. When you send in a passport application, they send you back a bluff letter trying to see if you're confused. And the letters are all cut and paste, and the rest of the paragraphs are different, but the first paragraph was the same in every letter. And it said, it appears from what you've submitted that you are, and it starts quoting the 14th Amendment. Okay, and then it goes on a little more in the paragraph, and it says it ends the paragraph except by operation of law. And everybody, yeah. because my <clears throat> well, students are pretty well schooled, and some of them got a hold of me when they got the letter. That's how I found out about it. Wrote back and said, "Is Vattel's law a nation's enough operational law for you, where every man has the right of personal political self determination?" Every man has the right of personal, yeah. political, self-determination. It says in Vattel's Law of Nations. You think they're not going to recognize that? You know, the, uh, it was discovered a long time ago, one of the best ways to control the behavior and actions of men and women is through fear. And uh, as we, we've come to understand, is fear is fantasized events appearing real. We, we create these things in our mind. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, I don't like this, Mike, any better than you did or do. And uh, I, I just happen to be of the character that I'm going to confront it. So if something's trying to make me fearful, I'm going to confront it. And I did. And uh, so I, I, I can tell you, as somebody who's not just talking off the top of his head, I've lived this for six years and uh, I, I wouldn't be any other way. And uh, no, Darryl, no blowback. Darryl. No, uh, no, no big giant boogeyman showed up and 
SWAT we team got a, to me. And we got a couple other. of minutes left. Daryl yeah. called in one day, back when he first started calling in. I remember one day he called in and said, if you people don't believe what's going on here, Roger saved me $170,000 or some big number in income tax. That was the first thing you did. The second day, time you <laughs> called up, and he said, I took a little trip down to the firearms store the other day. Why don't you tell Mike that story? Well, uh, we're, we're kind of sh- we're, we're a little short on time. Yeah, you're going to have to hit the high uh, Anyway, yeah, so I went in there, Mike, to purchase shooting iron. I fill out all the FBI background check that everybody has to do. Uh, I put in there uh, on that form, as it was written at the time, uh, uh, when they asked me if I was a U.S. citizen, I checked other, and uh, if you it says if you check other, then here's a box. Well, then what's the other? And uh, I said U.S. national. Uh, I hand it back to the clerk, who was a friend of mine. He looks at it and he goes, "Oh, this has never worked." And people around me started watching the interaction between us, you know, the owner and some other customers. And I said, "Just go run it." Ron, just go run it. He says, okay. So he calls in. He goes through it all. They get down to the point where it says, uh, you know, U.S. citizen or other. And uh, Ron says, well, you know, this guy checked uh, the box other, and he says he's a U.S. national. And the guy on the other line goes, no, that won't work. He goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He says, I got this book here. And he, he goes into his book. He goes through the different statuses, and he goes, Oh, yeah, that's fine. U.S. National. Yeah, he's okay. Sell it to him. Sell it to him. And uh, so the the thing that I, I like to – I always like to throw a little humor in when I can. And uh, the not only the word equivocation is important, but you have to understand that when you're dealing with Semitics, they use semantics. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I like to say that I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm anti-semantic. <laughs> And uh, these semantics, these will will lodge in your brain, and you'll you'll start to identify with uh, the 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 words of your master, and they want to be your master, and uh, you you know that they're your master when you become obedient, and uh, this is part of this process of becoming free again, is not being obedient, uh, or not participating in your own self abuse, and. Uh, People do this through learned helplessness because they don't know of any other way. It's just like when they're asked if they're a U.S. citizen, they don't know how to respond to that. Now, I, I could tell you're an interesting cat because you said, what are my options? Well, I love, see, you, you, got the right, you got the right mindset, Mike. <laughs> it's, that's exactly it. Right well, there. we're about to uh, run out of time it here. Uh, yeah. It's been a good show. Mike, I'm really glad you – you joined us and I hope that you have some questions and you go do a little research because until you make the information yours, you don't believe it. Okay. Once you see it and you've made it yours, now it's yours and it's a different story. So I hope uh, maybe tomorrow's open Thursday and uh, tomorrow's my Patriot birthday, by the way, 28 years tomorrow. Uh, and that's a uh, real special to me. And if you want, we can continue the conversation and any questions you got overnight, uh, it's why we're here is this subject and this topic and your freedom right here. My sanity and your freedom is why we're here. Okay. So Mike, thank you very much. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about my freedom. I'm more worried about your sanity. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, well, you're not the first to say that. <laughs> and, and let me ask you, did you ever go and get go to that jazzradio.com stuff? Because I'll tell you, it was good stuff. It was Brilliant. for a while. They've started wanting you to do subscriptions now, and otherwise they load you up on commercials. Hadn't been over there in a while. But uh, but I sure do like that jazz, and I'm sure glad you joined us today, man. And we got to cover all this stuff, as elementary as it is to some listeners. As I've said before in the past, you cannot hear this information enough. And I've been dealing with it for 28 years. Every time you hear it, it spawns a new thought, a new angle, a new tie-in, and gives you better understanding. So stick around and ask lots of questions, okay? Yep, I'd like to see some truthful leadership. We don't get it very often. Well, you're not going to get it. That leadership is designed for a country and bankrupt slaves. If you don't want to be one of them, then that doesn't apply to you except in fringe circumstances. And if you want to pick it up there, we can do that tomorrow and continue. But we're out of time for today. It's been very stimulating. I hope you and everybody else got something out of it. And we'll be back tomorrow. Jim Ram's next right here on this very same channel. And, Mike, if you haven't listened to Jim, you might. He's a retired police officer who got a hold of me years ago and has been through this process and knows a lot about it also. Okay? So, uh that's where we are, and we'll be back again tomorrow to see what goes under the water in the next 22 hours, uh, water under the bridge. And hopefully Mike will get back with us with a bunch more questions, and we can go over it again tomorrow. So uh, you guys have a good day. I'll have this posted in two shakes of a lamb's tail. I'll see you manana. Adios, amigos.